broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 853 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by your host, the lovely, talented, and indeed scholarly, Brittany Page, everybody. So we want to do a little PSA here up front. We're not talking about the Oscars. There's going to be no Oscar Oscar aftermath. Yeah. (laughs) I know that would ruin your day and your life. It wouldn't ruin my day and my life. It just, you know... (laughs) I wouldn't be a full participant in in any engaging conversation about it. Cool. Yeah. Great. So I'm not a hater. Um. Yeah. No, how? How fucking dare you? I am not a hater. <laughs> I think that when- I hate that you think I'm a hater. Yeah. <laughs> so I I read this article in the Washington Post. Titled, they thought loved ones were calling for help. It was an AI scam. Scammers are using artificial intelligence to sound more like family members in distress. People are falling for it and losing thousands of dollars. So you you get the point there about what the article is is about. But I want to highlight this this section specifically from the article. They report advancements in artificial intelligence have added a terrifying new layer, allowing bad actors to replicate a voice with an audio sample of just a few sentences. Powered by AI, a slew of cheap online tools can translate an audio file into a replica of a voice, allowing a swindler to make it speak whatever they type. So we want to talk about this because we get a lot of emails, mostly from your viewers on YouTube, Jesse, saying, hey, I got a message from you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or I got a comment from you telling me to contact you on WhatsApp. And I don't use that. And we will have to write them. And Spoiler alert. Either do I. <laughs> we will have to write them and say, yeah, scammers, spammers are a significant problem on YouTube that YouTube doesn't seem to be working on at all. And so. Or certainly not fast enough. Yeah. You have to kind of be on top of it to report and block the fake accounts that are commenting to whoever who is interacting with your videos to contact you and and have a conversation or give you money on another app. They also pop up as quickly as I bat them down. As, yes. as, as quickly as I am able to hide them from commenting and report them for impersonating me, mm-hmm. there's new accounts. Right. And this is kind of a new level to that yeah. where they are now using artificial intelligence to recreate your voice and this can happen to anyone well let me say it's shockingly accurate there there's a a thing we were goofing around and i i i was i've been kind of wanting to play around with having a new patreon Mm mid-roll and so i went to an ai site just as a (laughs) to see a gag yeah and i did joe biden's voice reading a patreon thing but here's the thing i read i read the script and it converted my voice into Joe Biden's. Even the cadence. Well, the cadence was me kind of trying to get it right. Huh. But holy shit, it's, I'm not going to play it here because we came to the conclusion, Brittany came to the conclusion and convinced me of it, that it's wildly unethical, even if we make it clear this is a joke, it's not really him. Yeah. I felt uncomfortable with it. You were very, <laughs> like as soon as I played it for you, you were like, Nope, this is no fucking good. I walked away like, I don't even think it's right that I'm hearing this right now. (laughs) Well, listen, and I've seen like deep fakes with the voice and everything of even Tucker Carlson. Yeah. And even that, it's even if it's someone that you uh, despise, this technology, we're fucked unless something comes. I mean, this is... (laughs) How uplifting. It is remarkable how accurate... Video and the audio is, and it's 
AI generated. Yeah, so experts have said that in the past, you needed a significant amount of time of the audio that you were trying to recreate for the artificial intelligence to then recreate that voice. To and, map the voice and, and, and duplicate it. And now you only need a few seconds. So we have hundreds of hours of our voices online. Oh, my God. So they have all the ammunition that they need there. But even if you've made a 30-second TikTok, you know, someone yeah, can take right. that and use that. So this is something everyone needs to be aware of. Inform your older family members. Yeah, let's go back to the original thesis here, which is scammers are now copying people's voices, then calling the loved ones with a fake voice saying, I'm in trouble. I've been arrested. Something's happening. I just got a, a, a medical diagnosis. I need a thousand dollars. Please send it. Any loved one hearing their person's voice that they love and care for is going to be alarmed and okay, fuck, here's the money. Mm -hmm. What you need to do if you do get one of these calls and alert, especially your elderly family, text you. Just send you a text. Uh, call. Like, use verified methods of communication, not random text messages and shit. Just to verify. It's not that you don't love the person. You want to be taken care of, and, and I'm sure your loved one wants to you to be taken care of as well. So I have been sending this article to family members, letting them know the same thing that you just said. If they get a call from me, I mean, I'm sure this is unlikely to happen, but if, if it happens, yeah. it's similar to the emails that we get. We do not want people to be scammed by, you know people that are commenting because they're yeah. watching our videos. We feel, I know we're not responsible, but we feel some semblance of responsibility to try to educate people that this yeah. is a risk. And, and to manage our platforms responsibly yeah. to make sure they're not being taken. I mean, because we are in a situation where we do ask people to support our work. We do ask people to support us via YouTube channel membership or Patreon. Right. Patreon.com slash I doubted podcast. Um, and we don't, uh, we're, we're susceptible now because, oh, they're asking for money. I'm just going to add another layer of complexity here and say, oh, it's on WhatsApp or whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. No, our preferred venues, we give you websites. That's the deal. And this yeah. isn't about the giving to us. This is about protecting yourself. Yeah. So if you, you know, are interested in looking at that article, we'll put it in the show notes and you can send it to the people that you yeah and want in to the video description and in the video description <laughs> because we are recording this yes. on video right now so thank you very much yeah for and definitely definitely take care of yourself out there if it's if it seems out of the ordinary eh, just do your due diligence and, and check uh, test the veracity of whatever's taking place absolutely speaking of patreon we want to take a moment to thank our new and our existing Patreon family, the people who keep the lights on, the people who donate to the show and are passionate about the work and about the concept of moving the conversation forward, which we attempt to do as I beat the desk uh, on an episode by episode basis. Yes. So I, I may get a name wrong in here and just know that I try my best, but I can only do so much with the brain power that I have, which is not significant. You're okay? doing you're doing just just great, Brittany Page. Thanks. Good good for you. Mm, okay. Bless your heart. So we would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, John L. John L. PK. PK. Kyrie L. Kyrie L. The Penguin Says. The Penguin Says. Rebecca M. Rebecca M. Zachary B. Zachary B. Faith. Faith. And Yabbits. Yabbits. And then we would like to give a... Yabbit, Yabbit, wait. <laughs> we would like to give a special shout out to Happy Co Cobalt for... Happy Cobalt. For increasing the pledge on Patreon. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You know, several of these are $2 patron supporters. And we just want to want to shout that out because I think sometimes people think... Oh, if I'm going to go give on Patreon, it needs to be, you know, $10, $20, whatever the amount is that people are thinking of. Yeah. And even if someone becomes a supporter for $2 a month, it is so significant in terms of the support that it offers. So 
We we very much appreciate every single Patreon supporter, every single listener, every single viewer that helps us to do what we do. We're excited that the the studio is finally to a place where we can start having in-person guests in studio. It's going to be very exciting, and we are happy that you will be along for the ride. We are in the process of finalizing our invitation email for notables, and we would also invite you. Why the why the head check? Why? Uh, what? <laughs> Nothing happened. <laughs> and we would invite you to um, let us know what your particular uh, guest desires are. What's your wish list for us to have people in? And we will try to make that happen. You know, we don't just want your wish list, actually. If you want to go ahead and book them for us, that would be great, That would too. be great. Yeah, don't just tell us your wish list. Go ahead and book them. Let us know when they're coming in. Also, if you're a member of Congress out there listening to this, uh, just invite yourself. <laughs> you can just invite yourself on the show yeah. unless you're fucking Marjorie Taylor Greene, in which case you can fuck straight off. We don't want you here. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Let's get to some listener communication. Yes, we got a lot of feedback given the conversation that we've been having ongoing over the course of several episodes about trans rights and some of those in the audience have been unhappy with how we are forceful in letting people know that trans rights are human rights and some people have stopped supporting the show because of because of this because of our positions now multiple people have stopped uh, supporting the show the show because trans rights are human rights. But we also got some feedback, including an email from from a listener, Ray, who was unhappy with the fact that we are taking the position that we are. But he didn't say he's not listening to the show anymore. He just said he's unhappy with the direction the show is going and yeah, gave us that, some the, feedback on that. I think that. the subject of the email was something like the... The, the direction of the show lately or something. Yeah, the yeah. show lately. Yes. Yeah, so we responded to Ray on episode 851. If you haven't listened to that and you want to, you know, go check that out. But we got a lot of feedback given our response to, to Ray, who, again, is criticizing our stance on trans rights. So here is one email that we received in the aftermath of that episode. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. I am listening to episode 851, and I'm a little put off by how angry you were with Ray's email. I understand your passion on this issue, and I share it. However, I also understand a bit where he is coming from and thought that he shared his thoughts in a good faith way. Although you provided a lot of good information that could help teach someone to be better, the tone did not come across as helpful. Ray sounds like my husband did just a few months ago. He is to my right, but I think you guys might be to my right. He has learned since then because I gave him the space and time to learn. He said things like the problem with the left is that they are pushing the trans thing, in quotes. I pointed out that the only people talking about or legislating about trans people are those on the right. I left it there. The next time the subject came up, he was saying things to the effect of, I am still struggling with this issue and I need time to understand better. He works with a couple of trans women and works with parolees. He has had a couple of bad experiences after unintentionally misgendering someone. He has had to monitor drug tests to transgender men. It is something he is in the process of changing his mind about. We need to be patient with people who, in good faith like Ray, are trying to figure it out. Love you both, Kelly. A lot of assumptions there. Um, one is that, and I don't know whether Ray is in good faith or not, but I don't, how the hell would Kelly know at all whether a Ray is acting in good faith about the issue? Secondly, if, if indeed, if we are right of you, meaning you're like a full-blown leftist, super lefty, and you believe that trans rights are human rights, and you're going to tone check us, me mainly, I'm assuming. So if they're human rights, do we really need to get persnickety about, mm, I didn't really like your attitude when you were proclaiming vociferously that trans rights are human. We're talking about people's lives. We're talking about the existence of a marginalized group. Oh, hang on. Let me check my tone. I don't, I just, 
yeah, maybe we could have been a little bit more kid gloves. You don't know Ray like we know Ray. We've had years of interactions with Ray. We, we're fond of Ray. It's not like I dislike Ray. I really like Ray. I respect Ray. I want Ray to come around to correct opinions about things. It's not the only conversation. So maybe, maybe you're right. I could have mollycoddled, to use an ancient, archaic term, Ray, but I don't believe that was necessary. Is that the word of the day on Merriam-Webster today? Yeah, on my little calendar with the word? Yeah, yeah. Mollycoddle. (laughs) (laughs) Malarkey. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I hear... I hear Kelly and I, this is a question I struggle with. I, I struggle with it very much, but in my approach to Ray, and when you say that we've had years of interactions with Ray, I would, I would edit that to say we've had like a few interactions with Ray over, over the, the course years. of years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All of our interactions <laughs> don't add up to years worth of time. Correct. <laughs> so we, and we don't actually know him. And when we're talking about good faith... He's been on Patreon calls. We have had actual one-on-one interactions with Ray. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to assume that Ray wrote us in good faith because he's like, you know, I love the show. I'm going to keep listening to the show, even if you think I'm a bigot, whatever. But he did say things that, like, were straight out of Steven Crowder's mouth. So it's hard for me to be like how much of it was in good faith. But I don't know. Of course, I'm going to give, you know, the benefit of the doubt because we're having a conversation. But I... I didn't talk to Ray any differently than I would someone that I meet in a bar on vacation that I'm arguing politics with. I even I called myself out at one point for being kind of a dick and being a little snarky. That's how I would talk to someone yeah. in a bar if I disagreed with them politically. And it has gone, you know, south sometimes and sometimes it has not. So yeah, yeah. it depends on who I'm talking to. But I know Ray listening to me talk since 2015 – He's listened to me a lot more than I've listened to him. He knows where I'm coming from. And I I trust that the things that I said landed how I wanted them to land, even if I was being snarky at times. We don't know what's going to change people's mind. You know, Kelly is writing us from the perspective that the, the husband is slowly coming around by just giving him the space and time to learn. That doesn't happen for everybody. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm happy for your husband, but I wouldn't generalize your experience with your husband to the entire population of how we're going to change people's minds. We don't know ultimately what's going to work and what's going to bring people around. Yeah. Hopefully, like your husband is interacting with trans people. Hopefully that will bring your husband around. And maybe that's what it's going to take for Ray. I don't know. But the important thing is that we are going to keep having these conversations and the people we're going to center in their feelings and in how they hear these conversations is that hopefully trans people will feel that we are on their side and yeah. and not on the side of the oppressors. And standing in the gap for them. Listen, and that's the group that gets ignored in all of this is trans folks. They're the one who they're the ones who are 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 asked to do just bear the abuse. Just bear the fucking bigotry from the bigots. And if you have something negative to say, watch your tone. Be careful with what you say. People's lives are in the balance here. And, and imagine this. If, if, if we, let's substitute trans people and talk about if it was black folks. What if, what if Ray, he likely wouldn't because Ray is black, but what if Ray called in? Ray was just a, a, a white guy from the Midwest calling in to argue about our stance that black rights are human rights. And I exploded. I didn't to Ray, but I exploded. And I told him to fuck straight off. Get that Nazi shit out of here. That is vile bigotry. How many calls would we get? You know, you really should watch your tone because that guy, he just misunderstands. Right now, he believes that black people aren't equal to whites. But maybe in the future, he will believe that. No one would fucking do that. So there's this special category of sensitivity that trans people are just overreacting. They just, they're asking for too much too soon. Fuck that. If trans rights are human rights, and they are, we cannot give them freedom and life uh, free from oppression quick enough. Yeah, I think you're hitting on something really important, which is the defenses 
that we are hearing from people illustrate a bias. Yes. Like, like they're still not fully accepting of of trans people. And, you know, I, I mean, it's like Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from the Birmingham jail where he criticizes the white moderate and, and white people who at the time were talking about all things in due time, about giving right. equal rights, civil rights. And... It's it's kind of the same thing where we're hearing like, you know, give people the time and the space and all things in due time. And it's like, well, you wouldn't be saying that if you were a part of this group or if you right. loved someone who was a part of this group. And hopefully through these conversations, we can start shedding light on that. Yeah, listen, and and I guess we'll we'll finish it here. No, we got a, a call. But it doesn't take a fulsome uh width and breadth understanding of the trans issue. It doesn't take knowing someone who's trans to say, yeah, it doesn't matter whether I agree or understand it at all. Trans rights are human rights. These people are not harming fucking anyone. They're just being who they are. And if you don't like it, yeah, fuck straight off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Come around to humanity protect those who are oppressed punch up don't punch fucking down god damn call from dan hey jesse and Brittany. it's dan from california been a second haven't been on the uh, haven't been traveling for work much so i haven't been uh, listening to podcasts but i'm catching back up and was just listening to episode 851 where you know ray wrote in to kind of voice his opinions on trans issues and i i feel like i've been having uh, discussions with people like Ray really frequently lately, people who are otherwise pretty progressive, who obviously, you know, are, are against, uh, you know, things like homophobia. Uh, but for whatever reason, have like drawn a line at, at trans rights. Um, and I think so much of it is like, it's like an empathy gap. Uh, and it's just not understanding and not connecting the dots that like, no one's coming out as trans because they're it's easy no one no one would why would you ever want to do that it's no one gets punched down more you know societally currently than trans folks they're on the bottom uh and to think that they're doing it for you know i've heard people say they do it for attention i've heard people say they do it for you know like he brought up women's sports you know the amount of trans women trying to play competitive women's sports it's like single digits it's not a thing it's it's all these all yeah. these laws and statutes that places like utah and tennessee and alabama and, and other places are putting in are solutions in search of a problem uh, there, this is not a mainstream issue. Look at any data. Trans folks are not abusers. They are the abused. You're, you're, it, it just so mirrors how we look. We used to look at people of color, and then it was gay folks, and then it's now it's trans people. They're just they're on the bottom of society, and we need to adjust accordingly. And I think so much of it is it's weirdly people's like pride and. Like they, they don't, you know, how many, how many times have you heard people say like, well, what happens if I, I don't want to accidentally misgender? I don't want to accidentally, you know, I don't know their pronouns, blah, blah, blah. Like as long as you make an honest attempt, you're going to be fine. Try to treat people with, with respect like you would anybody else is I think so much of it is like, we're afraid as progressives that like, we're going to get in trouble by saying the wrong thing because the left tends to jump on people who say the wrong thing. And so it, it's this weird, like vanity that keeps us from being as empathetic as we should towards people that are really having a hard time right now who really need some extra consideration and some extra protection not protections like we don't need to be protected from trans folks trans folks need to be protected and so for people to, who are otherwise leftists to bring up the literal same talking points that you would hear on fox news is ridiculous and i think takes it, it requires some like self-reflection to like really like realize the just like latent bigotry some of us still have uh and it, it hopefully through some reflection and you know obviously uh, you know meeting people maybe you know meeting a, a, a trans person and realizing that they're just trying to live their life the best they know how that anybody else we're, we're just a meat sack with some electricity in it man like nobody picked their preferences 
we, you know, there wasn't a checklist for, for race and ethnicity and, you know, all that stuff. We just are what we are. We were born to the parents we were born. And we were kind of hardwired the way we're hardwired. And I just can't even imagine what it would feel like if the way I was being represented in society and the people who treated me did not was not congruent with who I was internally and the kind of chaos that would cause and just kind of being unmoored from anything that felt comfortable it must be terrible to like no one would choose that it must just completely destroy the foundations of your life until you can like find out who you are and rebuild them and we need to have we need to show support and we need to have tools in place to help people do that the same way that through a lot of hard work over many decades we've helped to legitimize gay and lesbian folks you know as a you know they're seen as legitimate in a way they were not 50 years ago and so we have a long way to come you know before that it was interracial marriages and and now it's it's trans rights this is it's the new battleground and until we can get like through people's like vanity and their their empathy gap I don't, I don't know what the next step is, but I think just the talking about this stuff, the mainstreaming of the concept, obviously trans people have to come out and be their own advocates, unfortunately, but we need to support them when they, when they feel comfortable to do that. Um, yeah, I just don't, I've been talking with a lot of people like Ray. I don't dislike Ray. I don't know Ray, obviously, but I don't think any ill of Ray. I just think it's a lot of unexamined opinions, you know, unexamined thoughts, uh, just like a lot of other things that we take for granted. Uh, until we really, you know, get to the bottom of them. Uh, thanks for the call, Dan. Um, a great synopsis. It, it is it is a strange occurrence that we find ourselves, I mean, we are creatures of habit, and we are, as humans, uh, susceptible to bad thinking. But if you just put yourself in the shoes of of uh, of someone who wants to be on the right side of history, because in 30 years... We will look back on this time and be fucking embarrassed of the way we treated trans people and the issue of trans rights. Just like right now, we're embarrassed about 40 years ago how we were treating gay people. And just like, well, 40 years ago, no one was embarrassed of anything because everybody was fucking oppressed who wasn't, you know, fat, white, Republican-looking dudes like me. We just need to be better. And if I'm going to be giving space for ideas and people, it's not going to be giving space and tone-checking myself for the people who are contributing to the oppression. It is going to be for the oppressed. Well, I also, there's a line from Ray's email that stands out to me when he said something like, you know, I've been alive this long, and a woman has always been a woman, and a man has always been a man, whatever he said. And that's like a common refrain that you hear. But there has always been trans people. So it's just that you either don't know or you haven't, you know, chosen to understand. I I don't know, but there has always been trans people. Well, that's also the same argument that we used about gay people. Mm -hmm. When, when, When gays were finally free and felt safe to come out of the closet and be them, their genuine, authentic self, conservatives used that same talking point to say... Well, all of a sudden, there's all these gay people. I didn't know any gay people when I went to school, and now they're everywhere. No, it's they feel safe because society has largely dropped the punching down upon them and the oppression of them. The same exact thing is happening right now with trans people, and people can't think through the, the, the situation clearly enough to understand that, oh, this is exactly what happened before. And now I'm finding myself on the wrong side of history. Anyway, uh, we would love to hear from you about this particular topic or any other topic that's on your mind. Uh, If you write in in dissent, we will deal with your issue. Maybe not in the correct tone, but we want to hear from you. I would would say that if if you do call in, if you write in um, with a dissenting opinion, we welcome that, absolutely. But we're not going to kid glove you. We're not going to fucking story time with you. It's You're going to get dealt with in the manner that we have for 
Nine years done this show. It's the same fucking thing for nine years. Well, also, is it a problem that, like, my defense is that I treated Ray like how I would treat someone face-to-face? I don't know if that's good. Is that no, good? Well, well. It, I, first of all, I'm not ashamed of, I don't think my tone was bad. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't apologize for it. I'm not apologizing. Well, I'm just, I'm speaking to Kelly now, I guess. Oh. I, I don't think that my tone, reflecting back on it, I'm like, yeah, could I have been less snarky during some of my statements? Sure. But, you know, that's how I talk, and that's how I talk with people that I disagree with and that I agree with. So it's... Yeah, well, I, also... I'm, I'm not coming... I'm, I was coming at it from a place of, I want Ray to educate himself and understand this issue, but we can't do all of that work for him. This also requires people who hold bigoted beliefs to do that legwork as well. We can't sit anyone down and make them read books and articles and meet people outside of their box. Like Some of that legwork has to happen on your end. Not only that, but just because, I mean, it's anecdotal. If Kelly thinks that her husband's situation, whatever that may be, that it he can't be convinced if someone has my tone, then no one can be convinced. That's just not, I communicate for a living. And am I aggressive? Yeah, of course I'm aggressive. Am I snarky? Yes. Am I a dick? Yes, of course. But that doesn't mean I don't convince people. I get emails and and read YouTube comments all the time of people who used to be Republican, but because of the things that I say and the manner in which I say them, they have been swayed. So uh, just because it's not your husband's experience doesn't mean it, uh, it's everybody's experience. Well, and again, I mean, I don't want to keep talking about it, but I think you and I have different approaches. That has been established. Do I think it's helpful to tell people to fuck off? No, but I mean, sometimes people are going to be told to fuck off, and sometimes maybe they need to be told to fuck off. So it, it's a difficult thing to figure out what the balance is. Of course, we on this show do want to change hearts and minds. It's why we do have these conversations. It's why we read emails from people that disagree with us and, and think that our tone is shitty because, you know, I'm sure many more people other than Kelly thought that too. Sure. I don't like their tone. So yeah, of course. that I'm sure is a representative view. Let us know what you think. 657. 657- 464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo just like Dan did to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Welcome to Breezeline, where you'll say, ta-ta, T-Mobile. Our home internet is just plain better, more reliable and faster because we put internet first. If there's network congestion, we won't slow your internet down like T-Mobile does to help their cell customers. And right now, you can try out a true internet experience with BreezeLine's reliable and fast fiber-powered home internet. Find your perfect speed with prices starting at $19.99 a month for 24 months. Terms and conditions apply. Go to BreezeLine.com to learn more. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So this is going to be a fun one because it, it's it's a gift to the show, really. It's gifting us a new drop. And I think everyone is going to be super excited when they hear it. <laughs> now, what's interesting about this clip is it's two Republicans going at it. Two Republicans in yeah. Missouri. One Republican colleague challenging another Republican colleague over an anti-LGBTQ bill that uh, would prohibit teachings about sexual orientation and gender identity in schools. And this is... Which is just impossible. Yeah. As you'll see from the clip, right? Yeah, I mean... I I didn't know what you were going to be bringing up until you said, we have a new drop. And I was like, oh, yes, I remember now. This is awesome. Yeah, so this this is Republican... Representative Phil Cristofinelli, a gay Republican, challenging Representative Republican Ann Kelly on the House floor last week on the logic of the bill. I'm just going to read you the, the language in your bill. No classroom instruction by school personnel or third parties relating to sexual orientation or gender identity shall occur. Um, lady, you mentioned George Washington. Who is Martha Washington? His wife. Under your bill, how could you mention that in a classroom? So to me, that's not sexual orientation. Really? So it's only really certain sexual orientations that you want 
prohibited from introduction in the classroom. Do you have language to make that better, to make it where you're not talking? Lady, I didn't introduce your bill. Okay. Uh, And I, I didn't write it. You wrote it, and so I'm asking what it means. Which sexual orientations do you believe should be prohibited from Missouri classrooms? We all have a moral compass. And my moral compass is compared with the Bible. (laughs) Lady, I believe during your testimony, you said that you didn't want teachers' personal beliefs entering the classroom, but it seemed a lot like your personal belief you would like to enter all Missouri classrooms. You can can believe something without... And without and without putting that onto somebody by the way you behave, and you can have beliefs and morals and values that guide you through life. Mm-hmm. Great. I, I yeah. don't dispute that, but I'm asking about <laughs> the language of your bill and how it would permit the mention of the historical figure Martha Washington. Could you explain that to me? So what does she? What? Why is she famous? Is she famous because she's married with, to George Washington? It seems like that would be a relevant fact in her biography, yes. Could it be mentioned under the plain reading language of your bill? Is that a no? I, I, I don't know, sir. Okay. Amazing, right? What a flummoxed, floundering doofus. Ann Kelly. Ann Kelly. And I love the, <laughs> I love the like, old-fashioned, he's calling her lady. Right, because they're in committee where she's trying to justify, I believe, like, to a subcommittee. It has to come out of committee before it goes to the full floor. Yeah, and it's it sounds like he's insulting her. Lady, I didn't write your bill. <laughs> Listen, lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know if you caught it. Of course, I'm hoping you did because well, I cackled wildly. The amazing new drop that we've been gifted by Ann Kelly is is this. We all have a moral compass. And my moral compass is compared with the Bible. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> taking a taking a page right out of Donald Trump's don't know how to speak English playbook. Makes a lot of sense. And my moral compass is compared with Bible. <laughs> It's compared with Bible. Yeah. Now, aside from the 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 lady and the moral compass, it, it was a great line of questioning because yeah. it makes it perfectly clear what all of this is about. They believe that you can talk about certain relationships and gay relationships are off limits. Yeah, right. That, that's what needs to be censored. That, that straight, cis straight white, or not white, but cis straight people, they are... Um, that's not sexual orientation. Straight is the is normal to these people. Straight is just the the benchmark, and anything that derivates from that is wrong and sinful. And then her her Sarah Palin like Donald Trump esque word salad about you can live a, going down the path and follow. What? Yeah, that's awesome. Great. Uh, but I'm talking about Martha Washington, lady. Right. right. <laughs> and also, Martha Washington is only famous for being married to George Washington, the slave-owning scoundrel. Okay. So, good times with that. Thank you for the new drop. And, Kelly, we appreciate it. Now, Jesse, you got into a little bit of Twitter drama over some criticism that you had for Marianne Williamson. I think we talked about Marianne Williamson on the last show. She has entered the presidential race. She's thrown her hat in the ring, and she is now running for president to take over for Joe Biden. So... (laughs) We talked about her her anti-vax views, her anti-science views. We talked about her being handpicked by Oprah Winfrey and her spiritual self-help guru uh, identity. And we made some criticism about that. But you did this like Twitter thread, I think, where you had different videos of her expressing anti-vax views. Is that right? Yeah. Well, there was one video. A lot of it was just her... She's another one who uses this, this vacuous, nonsense, word salad type talk about we need to we need to rise up and have love be the most powerful force that can defeat anything. What the fuck does that even mean? It's it's meaningless talk. If love is going to end all wars and great, well, how do you put that into place as policy as president of the United States? 
listen, I don't think she's a bad person, but she's not qualified or ready or capable of being president of the United States of America. Too many people have set the bar real fucking low to be president. You know what I mean? So I thought you did a thread about the anti no, Well, there is one. Thing. There is an interview she did and where a woman says in the clip that she just linked directly straight line between autism and vaccines. And Marianne Williamson says, yes, that's absolutely true and agrees with her. Now, most of the people who disagreed with the clip said, oh, that's taken out of context. That was that was in 2012. Well, Andrew Wakefield, who was the nexus of all of these lies and conspiracies, had his medical license revoked in 2010. So if you were still on the anti-vax, vax, uh, vaccines cause autism train in 2012, it just means that your reasoning skills are so faulty that once again, it puts you in a category of not qualified to be president of the United States. So I came across this clip that I found interesting. Marianne Williamson made an appearance with Eric Bowling, who I don't think is on Fox News anymore. He oh, was... I got fired for being tick, big, uh, Dick Pick McGee. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's on uh, Newsmax now. Oh, okay. He's a he's an anchor on Newsmax. Well, they always land somewhere. Yeah, they do. So he he was interviewing Marianne Williamson in I believe 2019. And yes, this is from 2019. And she was caught on a hot mic making a comment. Now, what's interesting about this interview, we're going to play the hot mic moment. He apparently had told Marianne Williamson that he wasn't going to play the clip that we're about to play for you on air. And then he did. Of course. Which, given the like dick pic thing that you just talked about, I don't. he doesn't really understand consent very well, I think. Well, I, I, he blocked me on Twitter a long time ago when I mentioned him. Sending dick pics to ladies. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what he's fucking doing other than seeing clips of him out on Newsmax. Yeah, so so I, I'm not really going to give context for the clip. Just know that this is a hot mic moment that she didn't know was going to be on the show. What does it say that Fox News is nicer to me than the lefties are? I'm sorry? It, what does it say that the conservatives are nicer to me? It's a bizarre world, man. It's such a bizarre mm-hmm. world. You know, I'm such a lefty. I mean, I'm a serious lefty. But there's so... I understand why people on the right call them godless. I mean, it's like... I didn't think the left was as mean as the right. They are. It's because you're a useful idiot. Of course, Fox News is going to prop you up and put you out there and cart you onto the news because then they're able to... Because you're attacking Democrats constantly, you're a useful idiot. You're just like Tulsi Gabbard. You're just like Tulsi Gabbard. You just haven't gone full grift yet like she has. Well, it, it is strange to say Fox News is nicer to me. The conservatives are nicer to me because Democrats criticize me. Yeah. You know, and I mean... You're, they haven't elected me president. How cruel! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're going to be met with criticism. And, I mean, are they nice to you when they tell you they're not going to play that clip and then they come back from commercial and Eric Bowling is like, roll the clip that we just got? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, listen, it is strange to me people's religious adherence to anti-establishmentism like oh she's anti-establishment she's got to be good a good president she's attacking the status quo oh she's anti-war she must be uh lifted up and elected president of the united states if you think the job of president is so fucking easy you you have a childlike simplistic view of just how complex and dangerous the world actually is and we need true gritty leadership uh not just platitudes about love solving all of our problems because if love solved all our problems you could feed the poor with love and not actually have to construct policy to put money in a budget to give them what they need well, I also think a lot of the criticism that you got on that thread, people were saying, well, didn't she make those those vaccine comments like 10 years ago? Yeah. And Marianne Williamson is like 70 years old. So if she made those com- <laughs> yeah. comments 10 years ago, she was 60 years old. She's right. written numerous books. She had a public media platform that she's advancing these on. So it's not like she was a teenager who just watched Zeitgeist and, <laughs> you know, 
loose change or whatever those things were that like talking about 9-11 being an inside job you know like she wasn't a teenager who got swept up with some bad information because it seemed cool to hate George W. Bush at the time like she was 60 years old it it didn't just seem cool it was real cool yeah no I mean (laughs) now we know they were right about some things but you know so okay those who love Marianne Williamson in the audience Sorry, is where we stand. Well, we'd love we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. You can email a voice memo with all of your hatred to I doubt it at Dollamore.com. So George Santos, I mean, I feel like we're not talking about George Santos enough. I don't want this story to go away. Thankfully, we have people like Randy Kay over at CNN who are still on the case because he is now being accused of orchestrating a credit card skimming scheme. I was an asset in helping take down a ring of criminals. I was an asset, he says. Come on, man. All right, let's play let's play the clip. I was an asset in helping take down a ring of criminals. New York Congressman George Santos denying allegations from a man from Brazil, painting him as the mastermind of a credit card scheme. I'm innocent, never did anything of criminal activity, and I'm no mastermind of any. Santos's claims of innocence are in response to this sworn statement by the man Gustavo Ribeiro Trella. In his declaration, first published by Politico, Trella alleges that Santos taught him how to clone ATM and credit cards and that the two had agreed to a 50-50 split of proceeds. Trella wrote in the declaration, Santos gave me at his warehouse some of the parts to illegally skim credit card information. Right after he gave me the card skimming and cloning machines, he taught me how to use them. Trella has reportedly submitted his declaration to the FBI and other federal law enforcement officials. Santos, meanwhile, told reporters today he wasn't the organizer, but the guy who helped crack the case. Then I cooperated with Secret Service, FBI, everybody that asked for my help, got information for them, got everybody arrested and deported. I'm not the mastermind of the story. This all goes back to 2017 when Trella pleaded guilty to access device fraud in Seattle, federal records show. Trella had been arrested after using a credit card skimming device and electronic camera on ATMs to steal credit and debit card numbers, as well as ATM PIN numbers, according to court documents. Politico reports that in 2016, a year earlier, Trella had rented a room in Santos's Winter Park, Florida apartment. When asked about this, Santos quickly distanced himself from Trella. It was never my roommate, never lived with me. I saw him maybe a couple of times in my life. Yet back in 2017, according to audio obtained by CNN, Santos appeared in court on Trella's behalf. At that court hearing, Santos described Trella as a family friend. In court, Santos also lied to the judge about where he worked. What do you do for work? Uh, I'm a politician. I work for Goldman Sachs. You work for Goldman Sachs in New York? The congressman has since acknowledged he never worked directly for Goldman Sachs, the investment giant. CNN has not verified the authenticity of Trella's declaration, and Trella's attorney has not responded to CNN's repeated phone calls and emails. CNN has also reached out to the FBI and the Department of Justice for comment. The allegation against Santos comes as the freshman congressman is already facing intense scrutiny over fabrications about his biography and resume. Local and federal prosecutors are also investigating his finances. The House Ethics Committee is also looking into whether Santos may have engaged in unlawful activity during his successful 2022 campaign. I'm very confident I can fight this one. It's very easy. Randy Kay, CNN. I mean... Say what you will about George Santos. I think he's done some nefarious things in the past, but this one, I think he was helping bring down the criminals. It's so... How... Just examine your life and how it's gone and think about how many hardened, thieving, scamming pieces of shit that you've brushed up against in your personal life, like close, close quarters with. How many people in your life over the span of it had you had to go to court to vouch for the the the, the vera- for the veracity of their character? It never happened to me, but it seems to happen to George Santos a lot. He's always involved with all of these nefarious characters. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, now that the FBI has it, we'll see. They seem to be in disarray over there, but this guy is. I mean, just 
a beautiful representation of where the Republican Party is in 2023. Yeah, he cannot stay out of trouble. So I, I don't think this is going to end well for him. Also, this isn't it. There's probably all kinds oh, of other yeah. stuff out there. I mean, come on. That people were they're finding, they're getting the audio of. He, I didn't know this guy. I don't know who this guy is. And then we have audio of him vouching for him in court and then lying to a judge about what he does for... It's bananas. Yeah, he's lived quite the life. <laughs> quite the life. Yeah. So we came across <laughs> we came across this story about a Washington State podcast host and her husband who were shot by, by a stalker, and you can imagine yeah. why the headline was attention grabbing for us, and especially from people who, uh, on a, a semi regular basis, receive actual death threats from psychos online. Yeah, I mean, less than a year ago, we had the cops at our house talking about a death threat that we felt was credible enough to call the police. And I've been reluctant to talk about the police response to these events on the show, but I don't think it matters at this point. So I've decided to just talk about it. <laughs> well, next time, well, here, spoiler alert, it didn't go well. Uh, Metropolitan Washington, D.C. police are fucking feckless and they're not doing anything about it. Next time, I'm just going straight to the U.S. attorney and the FBI. So I kind of had a, a difficult interaction with the detective who called to follow up on the case after the oh, yeah. the officer came to take the report because I was listening to you interact with this this detective on the phone and he was he was taking information about the threat and at one point he well first of all during the whole line of questioning you could tell by his demeanor his approach that put he, out that he had to deal with this yeah that he didn't think it was serious and that yeah. it was kind of a waste of his time and you know that, by the way the same week that uh Paul Pelosi had his head bashed in by a hammer yeah i mean you you get the vibe anytime you report these things that that people are just going to be threatened threatening to kill you on the internet and it's fine like yeah. it's just a part of life that's kind of how the cops react to it and so he, he, was, he was questioning you, and at one point he said, what did you do to prompt this uh, death threat? Yeah, what did you do to make him threaten your life? And I grabbed the phone from you in a fit of rage <laughs> yeah. because I, it was building, it was building, it was building. And I said, is, is this a question that you ask people who are victims of violent crime? Is this something that you ask of domestic violence victims, for example? Is this something that you ask of people that have yeah. been raped? And he started fumbling his words and was kind of flustered. And then ultimately said, yeah, I would ask this of anybody. Yeah, because it's, it's about collecting evidence. And I said, well, I brought up Paul Pelosi. I said, well, you know, Paul Pelosi's head just got smashed in with a hammer and you're not taking this very seriously by your tone and your questioning. And anyway, of course, it's not going to go anywhere because he's right about everything and I'm wrong about everything. He is, after all, an officer of the law. Oh, yeah. And Here to <laughs> serve and protect. So, you know, when you're, you're having people threatening to kill you over politics online and doing so in some cases credibly and in a way that is scary enough to involve the police when you ultimately don't want to have to do that, it is very disheartening to be met with them not caring and and it's not unique to us it is not unique to us and we wanted to play this specific story because it sounds like the the woman podcaster in this story and her husband had tried to get help for this stalker and they did not get the help they, they needed the house at the center of this crime scene is where police say Malad Nasseri and Zoe Sadegi, a husband and wife, were shot and killed by a stalker. A 38-year-old man named Ramin Kadakaram Razahi, who then turned the weapon on himself. This is every uh, victim, every detective, every police chief's worst nightmare. Chief Daryl Lowe says just before 2 a.m., officers rushed to this Redmond neighborhood after receiving reports of shots fired. The couple at this home had called police before, back in December and again in mid-January to report that the wife was being stalked. In one of the reports, she reported uh, over 100 contacts in, uh, in a single day. The couple had filed paperwork for a temporary protection order against Ramin because he had reportedly listened to Zoray's podcast, then began communicating with her. But police say it escalated with him repeatedly calling her, her husband, even her friends after she asked him not to. Within these pages, it states that he would leave voice messages in the middle of the night. In one call, he was reportedly crying, begging her to pick up and threatening to burn himself 
and the tree in front of her house. She also stated that he said many times that nothing short of his own death would make him leave her alone. I had been briefed on uh, the case uh, earlier this week uh, by our investigators. Chief Lowe says those investigators were working to serve a protection order, but tracking down the suspect who lived out of state proved to be difficult. In this case, the victim did everything that they possibly could. Unfortunately, this person broke into their home and, and, and killed her, and it, it is a tragic event. It proved to be difficult, so sorry. You got killed. Proved to be difficult to track him because he was out of state. Yeah. Which is, by the way, the exact same thing that's happened to us on multiple occasions. Now, I don't want to make this story about us, but it, it does speak to the larger narrative here and the larger situation in the country where it seems that you can threaten someone's life online and be held unaccount. You're unaccountable. Well, and when you hear arguments for abolishing the police and a, a <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to go here, but. And or at the very least, defunding the police. Defunding the police. I'm sorry. And people will talk about investing in community care. And what they talk about is um, investing in services and early childhood education and paid leave and all of these policies that will ultimately help people live better lives, decrease stress, decrease criminal activity. And. You know, I grew up in a house that was rife with domestic violence, and I remember my my mom having a protection order and my my dad still being around all the time. Yeah. And there are obviously going to be limits to what police can do if if someone is wanting to have the abuser around. I understand that that situation is is a little complicated. But in situations where someone does desperately need help and is seeking that, it is still limited. Even in cases yeah. of domestic violence where you think the police are supposed to be doing something to help. And well, so it's hard to argue that we need to invest more in policing when consistently you find that even in the situations where police are supposed to be the ones who are helping the people stay safe right. in violent situations – they are not achieving a high enough success rate to warrant more investment. Well, they're failing, and people's lives are lost because of their failures, because of their, uh, it was hard. Oh, sorry. It was really hard to track him down. Oh, you're dead. It, and when you talk about defunding the police, what they're trying to do is divert money from one area that the police don't need to be involved in, leaving money, in the areas that they do need to be involved in. Community outreach isn't going to be the the target of this kind of an investigation. Police need to do this. Violent crime needs to be handled by police. It, homelessness and um, other such things need to be dealt with by mental health professionals and experts in that way. But this is does fall under the purview of police who don't treat it seriously. From our own experience only backs up this particular story we had a cop come out when we lived in in costa mesa california a costa mesa pd officer who asked are you actually scared are you really scared it it should not matter whether i'm scared or not if my life is threatened the law was broken it should be handled by police in a, an expeditious way, in a serious way, in an aggressive way to remove someone from society who's threatening to kill other fucking people. Right. So it's a terrible story. We are very sad and disgusted by how this turned out. And, um, you know, if if someday you see a headline that uh, Jesse and um, I got murdered, then <laughs> hopefully, I know this is a little morbid. Here we go. Somebody take care of Sweepy. Yeah, if someone that take care of Sweepy, but also <laughs> someone talk about the police failures and direct them to this episode. Eight fifty three. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, you're making a joke about this, but there should seriously be a nationwide standard by which in the internet age we deal with people with violent threats up who knows exponentially um it, th th there needs to be solutions to this because it doesn't just impact people who have a public platform this in fact this affects people who are just randos on twitter or on facebook who talk about politics and have their life threatened 
It's unacceptable. It's illegal. It, it is terrorism. Mm-hmm. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Auto Haven, Dallas. Auto Haven, is that a like a car dealership? It is a charity. Oh. A charity that offers free car repair services. Wow. To low-income families. That is, that's big time. It's huge. I, there have been times in our lives when we were literally counting change to put gas in the car that something like this would have gone a long way um, to help us out financially. Yeah. Good for them. So what's going on with your car is you have a real bad leak on your valve covers mm-hmm. and you're losing a lot of oil. Okay. So we're going to fix that leak today. Carmen Rosa's car is essentially her lifeline. I'm a single mom with four boys, so I use it to take them to school, groceries, work. As a cashier who makes about $14 an hour in Dallas, she faced a difficult decision when her car started having issues. Because it was either fixing my car or paying my bills. When she heard about Auto Care Haven, a local organization that fixes cars for free, she was overjoyed. I was really happy when I got the message that they were going to fix my car. I prayed and I was like, you know, I find myself really blessed. So with the initial and then this job, what would you estimate everything would cost? A shop would probably charge us like 3000 2500 And she pays nothing for this? No. Manuel Tellez founded Auto Care Haven in 2018 after he had to take out a payday loan to pay for a repair of his own. There's a lot of people that are just one blown tire away from financial disaster. Tellez soon realized state and federal programs offering support for car repairs are scarce. Relying on mostly small donations and corporate grants, the organization has already fixed 20 people's cars this year. If we're going to have a society that's centered around the automobile, then we also need, you know, good support or support system to help folks that, you know, are not able to leverage that. According to the Federal Reserve, more than 30 percent of Americans cannot afford an emergency $400 expense. It is a hole in our social safety net. If you can't drive, we tell people that they should just take transit. But the transit isn't a very good substitute for many. We shouldn't punish people for not being able to access the economy simply because that's the way our cities are built. 96% of the U.S. population lives in places that are car dependent. In metros like Dallas, underbuilt transit systems, especially buses, with often infrequent service and limited reach, can add hours onto commutes. Is public transportation an option at all for you? Um, no, not really. I probably have to wake up like an hour, two hours early to be able to catch the bus and go to work and take my kids to school. Experts point out lack of access to a car only further drives inequality in society. The people who have access to private vehicles, their wages on average are much, much higher than the people who don't. But thanks to Auto Care Haven, Carmen is back on the road today without having to miss a day at work. Maura Barrett, NBC News, Dallas, Texas. This is a great this is a great news package. It's also a great organization, but it's a great news package that really puts everything into context and, and lays out how important this work is, talking about how people will respond, just take transit. And if you haven't ever dealt with public transit, you, right. you know how unreliable that can be, how sometimes your bus just doesn't show up or it can be late. Uh, there can be issues here with the metro where, you know, a train is shut down yeah. and, and you need to now figure out how you're going to get where you need to get. And Not only that, it adds hours onto your your normally, you know, half hour 45 minute commute and maybe you can't afford to call an uber and just take an uber where you need to go yeah so what stood out to me about that was the line one blown tire away from financial ruin how many people are one blown tire away from financial ruin and what an indictment of our society that there's a significant number of people that if their tire goes out yeah they're going to be in a situation where maybe they can't pay other bills because they need to cover this tire because well they need to get to work. Yeah, if they don't get to work, they get fired, and then they have no job. Th- this is this is where Republicans and conservatives and people who are not empathetically minded, they lose sight of the larger picture. They lose sight of the 30,000-foot view on a macroeconomic problem that these people are now boxed out of the economy, which doesn't just hurt them and their income and their ability to earn and provide for their families – 
It also damages the economy at large, and they need to be helped. They need to be supported. It should, glad, I'm very happy that there is an organization like Auto Haven Dallas, but they shouldn't be necessary. There should be um, public-funded situations out there, uh, policies out there, that would prevent uh, someone from going into financial ruin because of a blown tire. Right, or getting caught up in that payday loan cycle where they charge... Yes, 200% on the loan. Well, which is another industry that absolutely should be done away with by Congress, made illegal out of hand, but too many Republicans and too many Democrats don't have uh, the moral courage, don't want to expend political capital on that because payday loans don't don't affect middle class and rich people. They just affect lower class people who, you know, they're just uh, victims of our system. Right. Not great. We'd love to know what you think about these and other stories. If you're in Dallas, support this organization. Hell, if you're outside of Dallas, support this organization, Auto Haven Dallas. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. If you have been on the fence and you're now starting to think about supporting the show on Patreon, we would invite you to join the Patreon family. Go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. Pick your tier and help support our work. Help produce the show that way. We would love to see you there. And we are going to leave you there. We love you guys. We appreciate you very much. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.